Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the James Wilson Show. My name is James Wilson and today we will be getting into China's response to the coronavirus as they are still lying about the total number of cases in their country. We'll also be getting into Nancy Pelosi's response to Donald Trump's handling of the coronavirus and why you can't treat Ebola like the coronavirus. My name is James Wilson and stay tuned for more. All right, so hopping right into it, our first bit of news today happens to be about China, where the China virus, the Kung flu, the Wuhan flu, happened to start. Obviously, it originated there, and that's why I'm calling it that. No, it is not racist. So yes, we are here at China, who happened to lie to the World Health Organization and the rest of the world, which is one of the main reasons we are at the pandemic levels right now and everywhere it's on shutdown. People are dying. We've reached over a million cases. Yes, the Wuhan flu is serious. The coronavirus is serious. needs to be taken seriously. And we have China to blame for that, as they didn't give us the information we need. Now, on the show before, as I've gone over coronavirus numbers, I've also stated how we really shouldn't be tr trusting China and its numbers. For some reason, we found out they've been doing all of these actions that not didn't allow us to get the full picture of what was happening in China. It was also one of the main reasons why it came to a pandemic stage across the world. And now, all of a sudden, we're going to believe them. We're going to believe their numbers that we reported. No, that's not how that worked. They literally just lied to us. Why should we trust China at all one bit? And now some other people, including the Washington Post, has caught on to this. So far, China has remained stable as reporting only around 81,000 cases, which is still a lot, but many countries are already surpassing that as we've already reached above 1 million cases. So the Washington Post says, quote, the coronavirus pandemic ravaging the global, uh, officially ravaging the globe, global, <laughs> ravaging the globe officially claimed 2,563 lives in Wuhan, where it began in a market that sold exotic animals for consumption. But evidence emerging from the city as it stirs from its two-month hibernation suggests the real death toll is exponentially higher. Correct. Using photos posted online, social media detectives have estimated that the Wuhan that Wuhan funeral homes have returned 3,500 urns a day before March 23rd. That would imply a death toll of Wuhan in Wuhan of about 42,000, or 16 times the official number. Another widely shared calculation based on Wuhan's 84 furnaces running nonstop and each cremation taking an hour put the death toll at 46,800. So that is what the Washington Post has to say. Obviously, that makes a lot more sense than the numbers we are seeing in China. They lied to us. They lied to the rest of the world. It has deeply impacted the response everyone else has had, the later response that has killed more lives. There's many trends going on on Twitter that China lied, people died, which is true. Because they lied, we are in this situation right now. And as you start to see, things don't quite add up. If you have 84 furnaces running nonstop to perform cremations, something is obviously up. And if you're, if you're suggesting that there's zero deaths, something does not add up at all. So as we see from what the Washington Post reports, this actually makes a lot more sense. So instead of China 
you know, reporting 2,563 cases in Wuhan, it's something more around anywhere from 42,000 to 46,800. And these are just from a couple of estimates, including, you know, cremation furnaces that are running nonstop at this point. So very sickening to see response from China. China is lying. People are dying. Many people are also, many Democrats are also using this phrase against people against um, President Trump saying that Trump lied, people died. However, that is far from the truth. How are you supposed to know how to react so early on when China isn't giving you any information on what's happening, how contagious it is? Just a quick reminder, the, the World Health Organization on January 14th said that there's no evidence of human-to-human transmission, and that's because China did not do enough on that part, their part. That's because they were lying through this all, and in turn, it hurt everyone else. So Dr. Deborah Burks has to, she's one of the main leaders on the coronavirus task force said, quote, when you talk about, when you talk about, could we have known something different? You know, I think of all of us, I was overseas when this happened in Africa. And I think when you look at the China data originally, and you said there's 80 million people or 20 million people in Wuhan and 80 million people in Hubei, and they come up with the number of 50,000, you start thinking of this more like SARS than you do of a global pandemic. And this is absolutely right. If you report that you only have a certain amount of cases and there's, it's, uh, you have a large population, again, 80 million in Wuhan and Hubei, you start to think of it more as a bad disease that's claiming lots of lives, but not a global pandemic stage. And while you, you know other countries should be preparing, like the United States did with the travel ban to China, you're not in the mindset this, that this is going to become what it has become and what we have seen at this point. So even this small difference of reporting cases but not reporting enough can change the whole mindset of what other, how other countries respond, which is a big part of how many people die. Again, if they could have responded earlier to this, if they had alerted the World Health Organization, not lied to them, and if they alerted the United States and other countries with what was actually happening and with what their actual death rates were, we could see a 95% decrease in the total cases. And that's according to a study reported by the Daily Wire. This is serious stuff. And because China is doing this, people are dying now. So to all the people who say that Trump is lying and people are dying, again, you can't respond to a situation if China is saying it's not a problem, they don't need help, and they're not giving you the actual data. Now, because this has consumed the entire world, we are able to get data and respond from that. But we are a couple of months behind just because of the fact that China is doing this all. They had to be irresponsible in not telling the truth about this. So we've already talked about what China has done to lie. They tried to cover things up. They lied to the World Health Organization and the rest of the world, and they're still lying about data. So when you look at John Hopkins University of Medicine and Science, when you look on their webpage about coronavirus, understand that the numbers from China aren't actually ac accurate, aren't actually showing what is really happening, because again, China is a communist dictatorship that doesn't want to look bad to its people. I mean, think about it. Our, democ our democracy or communism, is democracy or communism more, um, more able to be transparent? Let's think about it that way. Now, democracy obviously has to be transparent because the leader wants to 
send out all the information they want to be transparent because that's what citizens are looking for so that they can hopefully get reelected. In a communist party with absolute tyranny, you do not have to worry about that. Communist governments do not care if people die. That's why they're not reporting the numbers. If they cared about people dying, they would tell the rest of the world what their numbers actually are to help the United States in their response. It's proof that communist governments, including China, don't care as much about human life as democracies do. And that's a simple fact as many democratic leaders want to get reelected. Communist leaders don't need to worry about that because they won't. So obviously, communist governments aren't going to be as transparent as democracies. So through this all, if we can learn one lesson, it's that communist governments don't work. Communist governments are more willing to lie. They're always a dictatorship. They're not transparent. And they get people killed. I mean, not only has China come out and, you know, murdered people, but they've also hurt people because of this pandemic that could have been stopped or at least mitigated it as much as possible. So good reporting over the Washington Post for catching the fact that, you know, China isn't actually reporting. I've been saying this on the show for a couple of weeks at this point that we shouldn't be trusting China's numbers. Obviously, good statistics, good data to support that that's happening. So, and again, if the World Health Organization said that there's no proof of human-to-human spread on January 14th, how the heck is Donald Trump supposed to respond? Just think about it this way. Travel ban happened on January 31st. That is 17 days after the World Health Organization said that they don't know if there's human-to-human spread. And Anthony Fauci said that Trump's response has been really early, uh, was really early, Um, with the data presented at the time. So for all the people who are saying Trump lied, people died, the real, the real idea, the real, the concept that should be grasped at this point is China lied, people died. So moving on next to Nancy Pelosi, this is probably what irritates me most of the day, and we'll share it without further ado, getting into Nancy Pelosi's response, basically blaming Trump for the coronavirus, as we already talked about, you know, just the, these past couple of minutes, and his response saying it's slow as he fiddles, people are dying, this is deadly, and we need to get equipment uh, equipment to the United States. So here's what Nancy Pelosi had to say. Well, first of all, let me just say how sad it is that even since the president's signing of the bill, the number of deaths reported has doubled from 1,000 to 2,000 in our country. This is such a very, very sad time for us. So we should be taking every precaution. Uh, What the president, his uh, denial at the beginning uh, was deadly. His delaying of getting uh, equipment to where it continues, his delay in getting equipment to where it's needed is deadly. And now I think the best thing would be to do is to prevent uh, more loss of life rather than open things up so that, because we just don't know. We have to have testing, testing, testing. That's what we said from the start before we can evaluate uh, what the, the, the uh, nature of it is in some of these other regions as well. I don't know what the purpose of that is. I don't know what the scientists are saying to him. I don't know what the scientists said to him. When did this president know about this? And what did he know? What did he know and when did he know it? That's for an after-action review. But as the president fiddles, people are dying. And we have to, we just have to take every precaution. Speaker Pelosi, when you say that the president... 
great hearing that from Nancy Pelosi as the president fiddles people are dying, says the one who held up the stimulus package after the after many state governments are shutting down businesses. So good for you, Nancy Pelosi. It seems somewhat like a hypocritical move to point that out from Trump and then, you know, to to not look at yourself who is who is doing the same exact thing. So that's not only the best of it, that's not only the most irritating part, but this is what Pelosi was doing. This is what Nancy Pelosi was saying in San Francisco's Chinatown on February 24th. So this is just a little over a month ago at this point. She has been going around to show that it is perfectly safe to be here. Uh, she says that this is a very special place to her heart because she started a lot of her early campaigning when she started her political career, uh, some of it right here in Chinatown. And uh, we got some word from her earlier on sort of the message that she's trying to uh, purvey here. It's exciting to be here, especially at this time. Uh, to be able to be unified with our community. Uh, we want to be vigilant about what it might be on the, uh, what is out there in other places. We want to be careful about how we deal with it. But we do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. Dan, I want to point out that no cases of the coronavirus have been found here in Chinatown or San Francisco at all. So she's really just trying to point that out because they have seen a drop in business here. Uh, again, back at the uh, Chinese Bazaar gift shop here on Grant Street. Uh, she's a real tourist attraction in and of herself, as you can imagine. Uh, people, As you can see, just a month before she is saying all of this, she is going out on the street saying, you know, hey guys, Chinatown's open for business. Come join us. We'll welcome you. Come do business with us. All these different things on February 24th. That's a month after Trump enacted a travel ban. So Nancy Pelosi is the last person who should be suggesting that that Donald Trump did this all wrong. That Donald Trump that we need to be investigating how long Donald Trump knew about the coronavirus and how what he could have done to prevent it sooner. No, Nancy Pelosi, just a month before, you were out going out on the streets saying that the coronavirus, you know, there aren't any coronavirus in San Francisco, so you could go should go out, do business, and, you know, be around other people will welcome you. So it's completely hypocritical to, to suggest that Trump's response was terrible and slow when let's realize that he enacted a travel ban on January 31st, which even Anthony Fauci said was a very early response time. So Trump's doing all these things while Nancy Pelosi wasn't signing the impeachment bills. Donald Trump was in, was um, putting together a, a coronavirus task force. So while Nancy Pelosi is saying that Trump's response was slow, what was she doing at the time? No, she was signing impeachment. She was going out on the streets saying that it was okay and that you should come do business. Now, am I condemning that? Not necessarily what she said. Obviously, doing business is good, helping businesses around the country. But the fact that she was doing that and then blaming Trump for doing the same thing, for not realizing that this would be as bad as it is now. 
Now, Trump has says that this is this will soon disappear, which, as he's pointed out, is still will. Just because it's bigger now doesn't mean that this in the future won't become a problem anymore because it won't. This pandemic will go away. So Trump has rightly said some of those things. But our response has changes has changed after we get more data from the rest of the world. Because as we talked about, we don't get that data from China. We don't know what to believe and what not to believe. We, we just see even today they're lying about the current number of deaths in Wuhan. That's important information to know how communicable a disease is, how deadly it is in a population. Again, Dr. Deborah Burks said that because of the way China reported it, it looked more like a SARS outbreak, an outbreak in a country, than it did a global pandemic. So as this thing goes on, our response has changed. As you see, Trump has declared a national emergency, and Nancy Pelosi's response has changed to this as well, but to suggest that Trump is slow and that it's all his fault. No, Nancy Pelosi, you were going out doing the same things, blaming Trump supposedly for the same things that you were doing just on February 24th. So so to blame Trump to say his response is slow is completely hypocritical. Okay, so the last thing I would like to talk about on the show today happens to be about Ebola and the coronavirus. And this comes from a CNN opinion article. So let's just get into what they have to say and we will expand off that. So the CNN opinion article says, after the Ebola crisis broke out in 2014, the Obama administration jumped to it, turning to international teamwork to contain and stamp out the epidemic. In contrast, the Trump administration has been egregiously slow off the mark not only in preparing for and responding to the pandemic at home, but also in coordinating an international response. Now, first of all, just to point out, CNN is suggesting that he was slow and not preparing and responding to this, whereas we literally just saw tape of Nancy Pelosi out on the street with a with a hundred other people saying that we welcome you, there's no cases, so you're safe, and that you should come out. So, Seems hypocritical to me. Anyway, continuing, quote, The absence of U.S. leadership has taken a particular toll on relations with America's traditional allies in Europe. Transatlantic relations have been strained ever since Trump took office. Trump's support for Britain's exit from the European Union, his disparaging attitude toward NATO allies and the principle of collective defense, his protectionist Trade policies, these and other aspects of America first have left Europeans disgruntled with and disaffected from the United States. Then came COVID-19 after weeks of downplaying the virus. Trump in early March finally grew alarmed as the spread of the disease led to a plunge in the U.S. stock market. On March 11th, Trump announced sweeping restrictions on travel for most of Europe without providing advance warning to his European counterparts. The Europe, the European Union's co-presidents issued a response that they did not hide, quote, the coronavirus is a global crisis not limited to any continent and requires the cooperation rather than unalliterated action. The European Union disapproves of the fact that the U.S. decision is imposed to impose a travel ban has taken illiterally and without consul- consultation. When the virus' dangerous, dangerous potential became readily apparent in January, Trump should have immediately led an international effort to procure, locate, and distribute needed medical equipment to generate and share best practices on testing and isolation and to advance the preparedness of lower-income communities and countries that are likely to be particular hard hit. Now, again, another point to suggest that 
that the virus's dangerous potential had become apparent in January. Now, first of all, as we've mentioned multiple times in the show at this point, the World Health Organization pointed out on John on January 14th that there was still no evidence of human-to-human evidence, human-to-human contact and spread evidence. Now, obviously, they're wrong. China was lying about that, and that's definitely something to take into consideration. We could have known that a lot sooner, but that still leads to the fact that we didn't know much of the coronavirus, and that is mid-January, to suggest that the virus' dangerous potential came readily apparent in January, and then to blame Trump, who happened to to respond and create travel brand, create a travel ban to China in January is absolutely insane and ridiculous because Trump Trump did respond in in January. And not only that, but Democrats accused him, including Joe Biden, who said that it was xenophobic. Now that he has taken back the response, it just showed us it just shows us how incompetent of a leader he would actually be if he's going to take back what he said two months ago that could have had serious consequences. If you imagine if there was no travel ban, if people from China kept coming in, how insanely bad the coronavirus would be in the United States. If we overwhelmed the system, if we had the curve even a month ago, how insanely overwhelmed our medical system would be, it would be incomprehensible if Trump had not done this, you know, the the travel ban that actually really helped America. So CNN also says that after, after weeks of downplaying the virus, Trump in early March finally grew alarmed as the spread of the disease led to a plunge in the U.S. stock market. Now, first of all, of course, any president has got to be alarmed when there's a plunge in the U.S. stock market. But the plunge in the U.S. stock market was not the single reason why Trump started reacting to the coronavirus. Again, he started reacting in January. He started assembling a task force while Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Jerry Nadler were still on impeachment efforts and still signing the bill. I mean, Trump's response was a lot earlier than all the Democrats accusing him of doing this, as CNN is also a Democratic news network. Maybe instead of blaming Trump, they should be blaming everyone else for their even slower response to the coronavirus. If you start to think about it, if Trump was the House of Speaker of the House and Nancy Pelosi was the president and you just... They did the exact same things. The response would have been even slower from Nancy Pelosi. It is good that we have Trump in the as president right now to be able to respond to this as early as possible with the information we have. And that information is incredibly, incredibly limited if China is lying us, downplaying the seriousness of it, and spreading misinformation about COVID-19. So that all doesn't help at all one bit. And the main part that irritates me about this article is the very first sentence, which says, After the Ebola crisis broke out in 2014, the the Obama administration jumped to it. Now that is absolutely ridiculous. You cannot treat Ebola like it is the coronavirus. Ebola and coronavirus are very different. And to tell us a little bit about Ebola and why it's different, here is Anthony Fauci. How we are going to address the potential of an outbreak and what the likelihood of an outbreak would be in the United States of Ebola. And you often hear it said it would be extremely unlikely that there would be an outbreak in the sense of the public being at risk of an infectious outbreak of Ebola. And the reason why you keep hearing that it is extremely unlikely that that would happen 
is because Ebola spreads by direct contact with the bodily fluids of an ill patient, uh, a patient who is without symptoms, a patient who is well but has early infection does not spread Ebola. And so if a person comes in who has Ebola and in fact does expose other people, we historically know from years dating back to 1976 in all of the outbreaks in Africa in which the CDC and other health authorities have been involved in controlling that when you do contact tracing of anyone who came into contact with someone after they have been manifesting symptoms, get those people, isolate them, keep them out of contact with others until you prove that they are or are not infected with Ebola. That kind of identification, isolation, contact tracing has been a successful way to not only control existing outbreaks, but to prevent other outbreaks. We have that kind of a healthcare system here. We're doing an extraordinary amount of tightening up of the possibility of a patient coming in. There's exit screening at the origin of flights from West Africa to the United States. There is now entry screening. The best way that we in the United States can protect Americans from Ebola is to suppress it at its source in West Africa. And that's exactly what we are aggressively pursuing. Particularly, I point you to the president and his recent announcement a little bit ago about ratcheting up our resources in the form of the United States putting up 17,100 bed hospitals, the CDC and USAID putting the largest contingent of people in history of their organization to try and quell the epidemic. And then finally, importantly, we're aggressively working on a, uh, an accelerated program of trying to determine if the vaccines that we have now in early clinical trial will turn out to be safe and effective. Because it is conceivable that with the growth of this epidemic in West Africa, that we might actually need a vaccine, not only for the healthcare workers, but to be an important tool in containing the epidemic. My main message is that certainly we need to pay attention to what's going on. We have to have the kinds of surveillance and monitoring that the CDC is putting in. But you must remember that the risk of Ebola for the everyday citizen in the United States is extraordinarily low. So Ebola is on the radar screen, but for us is an extraordinarily remote threat. So as Anthony Fauci points out, as he's now on the coronavirus tax task force at this point, the, Ebola was nothing like the coronavirus. And there's a couple of key points I'd like to reference. First is the spread. Dr. Anthony Fauci pointed to a couple of ideas and medical techniques that they use where they find the patients who have it and then they contact, they, they figure out who they had contact with and check them for symptoms, isolate them, and make sure that they can't spread it even further than that. Number one, that is the first biggest difference between the coronavirus. First of all, you can be spreading the disease two weeks before you know you have symptoms. Not even that, but new studies are suggesting that 50% of patients who have, or you know, citizens who have the coronavirus may not even know that they have it. They're asymptomatic. So, 
first number one big difference between Ebola. You know when someone has it, you know you know who they came in contact with, and that way it's much harder to control the spread of the coronavirus because you don't know who has it and who they spread it to until much later. And that's why it's gotten to this pandemic stage, just because of how communicable communicable it can be. And then second is Ebola with symptoms. Obviously, the symptoms of Ebola are a lot worse than the coronavirus. And so it's a lot easier to tell if someone has Ebola than it is the coronavirus, as we already referenced. Dr. Anthony Fauci also references Obama's response to the coronavirus, which also happened to be more foreign, which also happened to be more international and focused in West Africa, not in the United States. And the reason that is, is because the big problem was in West Africa. Because of the way it spread and because of the symptoms, it was not a big problem in the United States, as Fauci pointed out. As he pointed out, it would be very low chance that Ebola was actually going to, you know, become a problem in the United States just because of what the disease was. So targeting West Africa and making sure that they get over it is much different than trying to handle your economy and the coronavirus in your country at the same time with a disease that is incredibly spreadable, that can spread to so many people and have an incubation period of two weeks is incredibly terrible and would increase the spread by so much. So for CNN to suggest that Obama, the Obama administration jumped to it doesn't really make sense because we knew this was a problem. Not only that, but China doesn't accept help. Back in December, China didn't want to accept health from the World World Health Organization, and they're lying about all their data. So how possibly is the United States supposed to help internationally where the coronavirus started if that happens to be in a communist dictatorship that suppresses its people, ideas, and data about the coronavirus? So where it started, the origins, the symptoms, how it spreads... All of this plays into the differences between the coronavirus and Ebola. So to to suggest the Obama administration did a much better job handling Ebola than Trump is doing the coronavirus, that doesn't make any sense at all. These are two completely different viruses that would have had, you know, dramatic effects if Obama was still if Obama was president during this time that the coronavirus happened, the situation played out much better for Ebola than it did the coronavirus, based on basically the origins of where this all happened to to start. So the Trump administration has also had to balance a lot more than just who has it internationally. They also have to balance who has it nationally, making sure that the doctors are able to properly treat patients, to make sure patients are able to receive proper medical care, and to also make sure you don't crush your economy. It's a delicate balance that needs to be, you know, balanced, and the coronavirus is a much harder situation to respond to than Ebola. And then to also suggest that Trump was slow to respond while Obama was not, well, first of all, it became pretty clear what Ebola was, how it spread, what the symptoms were, pretty clear. And to tackle it as an international problem is a lot easier to have a fast response than it coming from a communist dictatorship where you have no data and all of a sudden is ravaging your country. You have to go step by step, learn the data from your country and other countries to know how you respond to it, which is something we didn't get from the origin of this country, which makes it dramatically different than Ebola. So definitely doesn't make any sense to compare the coronavirus to Ebola. It shouldn't be compared to Ebola 
not one bit, and suggesting that the Obama administration would handle the coronavirus better than Trump has been doing is absolute nonsense, and giving proof because of Ebola doesn't make any sense at all. So that's it for this episode of The James Wilson Show. Stay tuned for more episodes at a later time. Thank you.